Let's pray. God, we are grateful to be here today in the midst of what we might feel is gloomy weather, Lord. As Arthur said before, you are always with us. The sun is always there with us. Lord, we ask that you would be with us in this time, opening our hearts and our minds to understand and to receive and to accept and to apply. Lord, bless us, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we continue on. Read again with me, Acts 1.8. We are going to remember this at some point, right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When I was in high school, I started to lift weights. I actually took weightlifting as one of my PE classes one time, and so from then on, I just regularly began to lift weights and enjoyed lifting the weights. But it's really funny. I don't know if you've ever noticed that sometimes there's a number of people who lift weights. You look around you, you're lifting weights, but they also they do something else. Do you know what they do? They usually have a mirror in their weight room. And the reason why they have a mirror in the weight room is so that they can go over and look at themselves in the mirror to see how big their muscles are, right? (laughs) And the reason why that's funny is because, you know, if you lift one day and then you go to the mirror the next day, your muscles are not going to be bigger. Muscles don't grow in one day. I mean, muscles do grow over time as you lift, but it's a slow, gradual growth. And yet they lift and then they walk over the mirror like, okay, immediately my muscles are bigger, right? That's so funny that they do that. But sometimes we do that with our church too, don't we? We we come to church one Sunday and then the next Sunday we come to church and we look around like, is our church bigger? Is it bigger? And usually, more often than not, churches don't grow rapidly And immediately, churches tend to grow slowly and over time, both spiritually and numerically. So this morning, as we look at Acts chapter 16, we're going to see how God has this vision for his church and what that vision for his church is in terms of growth. So as we start uh, chapter 16 of the book of Acts, we see that a a new worker of God comes into play, and his name is Timothy Now, Timothy is contrasted in this chapter to Paul because Paul, as we know, as we've seen going through the book of Acts, Paul is an evangelist, isn't he? Paul is constantly preaching the word of God, and we see that in Paul's preaching that consistently people are coming to Jesus Christ. He's an evangelist. He preaches the gospel. They hear about Jesus, and they accept Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. Now, we're going to learn about Timothy, that Timothy is a pastor, Timothy is one who cares for the hearts of people. He cares for the growth of people. Which is important because oftentimes when someone comes to Jesus Christ, if they don't have discipling and training and someone caring for their heart and and watching over them, then they're going to get confused or they're going to go astray or they're going to get lost in their faith. And so someone like Timothy is a great compliment to Paul. You probably know a couple of weeks ago that Billy Graham passed away, probably one of the greatest evangelists of all time. And 
One of the things that I really appreciated about the Billy Graham Crusades, and you see one of the Billy Graham Crusades, I mean, he would pack out stadiums. And he did this for decades. He packed out stadiums, talking about Jesus Christ. But I don't know if you know that one of the most important things that happens before a crusade takes place is the Billy Graham crusade comes into a town and at least a couple weeks before the crusade is supposed to happen, they start to gather people, gather churches, they start to pray for all who would attend, that all these hearts would be softened, that people would hear the message and that they would believe. But they do something else. And that is, they, as they gather together these hundreds, sometimes thousands of volunteers together, they begin to talk about and train people to share the gospel and to pray with people and to help people understand what they have done. People come in droves forward, accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, but now what are they supposed to do? And Billy Graham, he didn't always do it well, but he, he had it on his heart to make sure that people got connected to churches. Because Billy Graham knew that it wasn't enough just to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. He knew that they needed to get connected to the body of Christ. They needed discipleship. They needed teaching. They needed training. And that was so important for the Billy Graham crusade. We see this same philosophy happen even back with Paul when he called Timothy to work with him. Paul thought highly of Timothy. In fact, in his book, in, the Philipp in Philippians, Paul would say this. Whenever you see the yellow, please read with me. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy was one who cared for others, who cared for the heart of others, who cared for the well-being of others, who cared for the faith and the growing of their faith in others as they came to know Jesus Christ. He wanted to make sure that they not only understood the gospel, but that they were prepared to live as Christ followers. How important it is for our church to have this kind of a vision that we have a vision where we want not only people to know Jesus Christ, but we want people to grow in their understanding of Jesus Christ and that their life, as they live their life, shows that they are true Christ followers. That should be the vision of our church, that we want to see people grow. We, we want them to know that Jesus died for their sins. We want them to know that Jesus forgives them their sins. We want Jesus... To know, we want them to know that Jesus gives them life, but we also want them to know that Jesus gives them gifts and abilities and desires to be used for the body of Christ, to be used for the growth of the kingdom of God. We need to have people who care about sharing the message of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for Richard and for his evangelism class. Every week they are talking about the gospel, they're talking about the importance of the gospel. They're talking about what does it mean to share the gospel. They're practicing with each other sharing the gospel. They're challenging each other to go out and share the gospel. They're coming back and being accountable to each other. Are you sharing the gospel? We need this in our church, that we are learning about the gospel and we are desiring to take the gospel out into our world. We're also on the verge of starting a new believers class sometime soon. 
the new believers classes for those who are either young in their faith or are curious about Jesus Christ or, or want to know more about how to be a stronger Christian, to live out their faith better. We're going to have this class where we're going to just answer people's questions and we're going to talk about the basics of the Christian faith and we're going to talk about the importance of not only knowing it but living it. And I'm very excited that we're going to start that in the new future. But we also have, I'm thankful for Stan's class too. He's taking many in our church through the Westminster Confession, which has so much instruction in it. I mean, it's so deep and so wonderful. Those of you who are in the class know that you are gaining so much as you sit through and read the Westminster Confession and begin to understand these deep theological meanings of the Scriptures. And so we have all these different areas where we're able to grow in Christ as a people of God. That's so wonderful. Read in Acts 16.5, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. See, we, we see that Paul was concerned about converts. He wanted people to know Jesus Christ. He wanted them to know the saving faith that comes in Christ. But he wasn't He wasn't accepting of just that. Paul was one who started churches. Paul was one who trained leaders. Paul was one who organized and made sure that there were those who were gifted that could continue on the work of Christ and move forward the kingdom of God through the church, which is God's established entity of building a body of Christ and then taking the word out into the world. Paul was concerned not just about the churches growing in in number, but them growing in faith and them being a real active force in the kingdom of God. I think I've talked about this before, but real uh, real growth happens when you do something called full-cycle evangelism. So let me remind you again what full-cycle evangelism is. Full-cycle evangelism is, is when someone comes to the Lord They hear the gospel, they hear about Jesus Christ, they hear about forgiveness of sins and the love of Christ, they hear that Christ can change and transform their life, and they accept Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. That's the first step. But the next step is they begin to to be discipled and to grow and to connect to the body of Christ and learn about their gifts and learn how to share their gifts. And they grow more and more and more. So they accept, they learn, they grow, and then they get to this place where they understand And they have this desire to share the faith, to share their faith, to share the gospel with those who don't know it. And then when they share their faith and someone else believes, that person starts that cycle again until they get to the place to where they can share their faith. So the goal of a church should be not only to to have people accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord, but to grow them to the place to where they can share their faith, they can share the gospel with those around them. And then when everyone is doing that, can you imagine if every one of us was bringing people into the church as disciples of Jesus Christ? We would be growing daily in numbers and in faith if we were committed to that kind of vision that God has for the church. That is what God wants. It's not just about the pastor. It's not just about the elders. It's not just about the deacons. It's about all of us learning about Jesus and then getting so excited about our faith that we just have to share it with someone else. One of the wonderful challenges of the truths of the Bible is that once we believe in Jesus and we seek to follow him, 
we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of God lives in us. And yet one of the roles of the Spirit of God is to guide us into the will of God and to help us understand the will of God in our lives so that we are walking faithfully with God. Many of you know that uh, my son Tyler is a junior at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, electrical engineer major, and he's been looking for an internship this summer. And so he wanted to get a, a quick start on it, and so he went to the career fair in October, last October, and he began to interview at, with different companies. And he interviewed with a, a Northrop Grumman, and actually it was the one up in Northern California, and he had this great interview, and he thought, oh, I'm going to get this internship. This is, this is going to be the one. And he was excited, and, and the, the person said, yeah, well, we're going to contact you soon, and October went by, and November went by, and end of November, he's getting a little nervous, and so he sent an email to the person, and the person said, oh, sorry, um, I didn't get back to you, but we actually are not going to have any internships available this next summer. So Tyler was like really dejected, you know, I mean, he thought that was the one. And it was interesting because, you know, sometimes we just want something, right? And so the first thing that comes to us, we, we would accept it, right? I know that if they would have offered something to Tyler, he would have said yes right away. He would have said yes right away. But sometimes the Holy Spirit keeps us from getting something that we want because it's not what's best for us. Let me say that again. Sometimes the Holy Spirit keeps us from getting what we want because we think it's best, but God knows it's not what is best for us. And that happened with Tyler. And so he was a little down, but then the next thing you know, make a long story shorter, he got three offers for internships. He got one from Texas Instruments in Santa Clara, he got one from General Atomics in San Diego, and he got one from North of Grumman right here in Redondo Beach. <laughs> and he took the one here in Redondo Beach. But Tyler would have taken the one in Northern California had that come to him, but it didn't. God said, and I, in fact, I even said that to Tyler. Tyler, God has something else in mind for you. Yeah, maybe, he says. <laughs> and now it's so fun to watch you know, your kids. Sometimes it's hard to watch your kids go through trials, but sometimes it's these trials that you go through that allow your kids to, to really grow and to learn and really trust God all the more. See an interesting verse in Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Read with me. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. See that important word? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God. The Holy Spirit kept Paul and said, no, Paul, you're not going to go there. That's not where I want you. That's not where you're going to go. And so they tried to make their way north, passing through the edge of Asia, and then we get to the next verse. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Again, what happened? They were kept from going where they think they wanted to go, where they think they needed to go. God said, no, that's not where I want you to go, and they kept God kept Paul and his companions from going that way. You know, sometimes God tries to keep us from doing something or, or keep something from happening. And sometimes we push right through, don't we? We say, no, God, I want this anyway. And we do it anyway. Even though at first we, we felt this resistance of God saying no. 
and then something bad or it just doesn't go well, right? And then what ends up happening? I've seen this so many times. People begin to blame God for the bad that happened to them when they ignored the will of God and did their own will, and then they put it on God, like, God, why would you let this happen to me? No. You pushed forward through the will of God. You did what you wanted to do, even though it wasn't what God wanted to do, and God said, no, don't do that. And you said, I don't care what you say, God. I want this so bad, I'm going to do it anyway. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says no to us, to what we think we ought to do, we must listen to the voice and the direction of the Spirit because God does speak to us. Maybe a friend will say, you know, I really don't think that's good for you. And so you seek another friend and another friend until you finally find a friend that says, yeah, that's really good. I think you should do that. Man, that's God's will. See, you told me that that's what I'm supposed to do. Amen to that, right? And we push through and we push through instead of listening to the voice of God. But Paul waited, and then we read in verse 9, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. The man's begging him. This is his vision. God's speaking his will to Paul. This is what you're supposed to do. This is why I kept you from doing these other things, because I want you to go to Macedonia. And Paul listened, and that's where Paul went. In verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, there are stories that are so powerful that they're worth retelling. So meaningful that they're worth retelling. And I'm going to tell you a story that I've told you before but I'm going to read, I'm telling it again because I think it's so important for what we're talking about right here, both the negative and positive guidance of God in our lives. And the story of how is how I came to be the pastor of this church. And it started about two and a half years ago when I met Karen Lee at a Presbyterian meeting. And we were talking and we were becoming friends. And at one point I said to her, how can I pray for you? And she said, well, you know, we haven't had a pastor for a while, so would you please pray for the pastor for South Bay Presbyterian Church? I said, I promise to pray for you for that. And so at that point, summer of 2015, I started praying for South Bay Presbyterian Church about God bringing a pastor to you. So I started praying, I started to pray, and at the time I I became uh, the interim pastor at Lakewood Presbyterian Church, or Christ Presbyterian Church in Lakewood. And we were getting to the place where we were starting to think about a more permanent pastor. And I began to think, well, am I going to apply for that position? Now, they weren't quite at that place, but I was beginning to think about, am I going to apply for that position? And I felt God saying no to me, very clearly, no, this is not where I want you. So I began to look at other churches, and I began to apply to other churches. And I, I got two interviews to other churches. I actually got an offer from a church. And again, I felt God saying, no, that's not where I want you. And so I went back to the website for Eco, and I looked at the different churches that are looking for churches. And when I looked at this church, I saw that it was 95% Asian. And I thought, well, they probably want an Asian pastor, right? And so at first, I didn't even think about applying for this church. 
But God continued to put it on my heart, put it on my heart, and every time I went back to the website, there was South Bay Presbyterian Church. And at one point, I went to your, your uh, church information form, and I read it to Tammy. And Tammy looked at me and she said, why don't you apply? And I you know, told her this and that, and she said, but that description describes you perfectly. I mean, it's saying your name right there. So I applied. And we began a conversation in September of 2016 and had a great um, couple interviews. And the more and more we talked, the more and more God began to move both of us um, towards thinking that this was God's will. And then last April, or last March, I guess it was, had my um, candidating sermon. And after that, we both felt that God had called me to be here. And now I'm the pastor of this church. But I was praying in the summer of 2015 for the pastor of this church, and God was actually, I was actually praying for myself, right? <laughs> I mean, is that like the most odd thing that you've ever done? I was praying for myself. That's why it's so, such a great story, because as I look back on it, I think, I was praying for myself. This is just so, so fun. And God works in so many wonderful, um, great, great ways. We have to listen to the, to the Spirit of God. Sometimes we think it's, it's not right. and We want something else, and God says, no, it is right. And We have to begin to listen and let God form our hearts into a place, in our minds, in a place that we are ready to follow the will of God. Paul's ministry philosophy is pretty simple. Listen to the Spirit. Go where the Spirit leads. Preach the gospel when you get there because people are in need of Christ. And strengthen believers. That was Paul's philosophy of ministry. It's very simple, but it's very profound. Then we get to the next section, and we get to an interesting story. And Paul talks about it in verses 13 and 14. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. So here they're going out. You notice that they're just going to pray, right? We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. Read with me. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So they're going out to pray. They're not expecting to preach the gospel like they do much of the time. This is a time when they're going to be with God. This is a time when they were going to just be in God's presence. They were going to be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. And there they met some women who were there. And if you know 1 Peter 3.15, it says, Always be ready to give a defense for your faith. And they were ready, weren't they? Even though they weren't prepared in that they were planning to do this, when the opportunity arose they took advantage of the opportunity. And Lydia heard Paul's message, and she believed. But there's an important side note here, because look at that one little phrase, almost at the end, right before the yellow, where it says, she was a worshiper of God. It didn't say she was a follower of Christ, because if that were true, she wouldn't, God wouldn't have had to open her heart to the message. She was a worshiper of God. How many times have you come across someone who says, oh yeah, I believe in God, oh yeah, I worship God, oh yeah, I follow God, but do they know Christ? Do they know Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord? 
So much of the teaching of the Bible, including Jesus, makes it very clear that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. They can say that they believe in God, but they will not be granted heaven without Jesus. Now, so let me give you an illustration. Let's say that there's someone that comes into town. You pick the group. You like the group. There's a concert, right? You want to go to the concert? I have a ticket, and I say, you know, here's a ticket. Would you want a ticket? And at the time, for some reason, you think you're going to get a ticket a different way, right? So you say, no, that's, that's fine. Thank you, but, you know, I'm going to get a ticket. Time goes by. You don't get a ticket. You forget to get a ticket. The day the concert comes, you're like, oh, man, I need a ticket. So you go to the auditorium, and you're trying to find a ticket, and someone says, oh, yeah, I have a ticket to, to sell you. I have an extra ticket. Do you want a ticket? So you buy a ticket from that person. You spend the money, you take the ticket, you walk up to the door, and you hand it to the person, and they say, I'm sorry, this is not a valid ticket. Now, are you going to get into the concert? No. You can only get into the concert with a valid ticket. You're not going to say, oh, but I've worked so hard. I tried so hard. I wanted so much. You know, I weren't. Please let me in. No, they're not going to let you in. You need a valid ticket to get into the concert. So here, you rejected a free ticket that someone else paid for so that you could end up buying a ticket that wasn't even valid. Make sense? And that's what happens with so many people with heaven, right? Jesus Christ has paid for a ticket for us to heaven. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Read it. Read it with me. But what? The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift of God. A free gift, a ticket for heaven is waiting for you through Jesus. Do you want it? If you haven't ever received it, now is the time. Now is the day. This is the time for you to say, Jesus, I want salvation. I want forgiveness. I want eternal life with you in heaven. I want that ticket. I want to get into heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for me, for for making it available to me to go to heaven. Please, Jesus, give me that ticket. Now, there's an equally important statement at the end of that passage. In verse 14, where it says, The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart. This is important because a lot of times when we're sharing our faith, we think, I'm going to talk to you until you say yes, okay? I'm going to talk you into the kingdom. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you have the opportunity, share your faith. Share what Jesus means to you. Share how Jesus has changed your life. Share what is important, what is different, how you feel peace, how you have forgiveness. Share the important aspects of your faith with someone else. And then you know what? The rest is up to God. It is God who changes hearts. It is God who softens hearts. It is God who transforms hearts. It is God who opens hearts. We need to pray. You need to pray before you share your faith, right? If you have someone specifically in mind, you should be praying for them every day. Lord, soften their heart. Lord, soften their heart. Lord, give me the opportunity. Lord, soften their heart. 
Pray, 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 pray. And then you have the opportunity, and even in the midst as you're sharing, you're praying in your mind, right? Lord, help me. Give me the words. Lord, soften their heart. Spirit, work in their lives. Spirit, use me. Anoint me. Do something so that my words make sense to them. Lord, bless me so that I can bless them. And you pray while you're sharing. And then after you're done sharing, what do you do? You pray. You pray, you pray, you pray. Why? Because it is the Lord who, is the, who does the work. And so you pray, Lord, change their heart, touch their heart, bring them to you, draw them to you, help them to understand, help them to accept, help them to get, to get rid of all those doubts. Lord, please be with them. And so we see the place of the work is the heart where the change is made, the heart where the blessing occurs, the heart of Lydia who was changed. God cared for Lydia and changed her heart. And we will see in Lydia a great thankfulness because of this. And so we get to verse 15. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. See what's happening? She was so grateful that God had changed her heart. She was so grateful for for the people who, who the message came through, that she wanted to bless them. You blessed me, I want to bless you. And she would not take no for an answer. Have you ever met someone like that? They are so thankful for maybe something you have done in their life. You've blessed them, and they say, no, 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 let me take you out to dinner. No, 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 come, come and you know, let me take you to a con whatever. They want to do something for you because they have been so blessed by what you have done in their life that they want to bless you in return. And that's what's going on here. It seems like God gave her the gift of hospitality because immediately she said, come to my house. Come, I want to I wanna serve you guys. I want to give to you guys. I want to bless you by, by doing something for you. Please come to my house. We too should have our faith in Christ in this way. That when God blesses us, we in turn say, okay, who can I bless? Right? I'm on a mission. And my mission is I'm going to find someone to bless this week. <laughs> Why? Because God has blessed me. And as God has blessed me, I'm going to find someone to bless in the name of God. I challenge you. I encourage you. I pray for you that you would even do that this week. That you would say, that you would think first, how has God blessed me? And then you say, I am so thankful that God has blessed me that I am going to find someone to bless this week. Lord, help me to know who and how I can be a blessing to someone else. What gift has God given you that you can use to bless another person? And then ultimately, we see at the end of the chapter, Paul heals a female slave. Now, she was filled with an evil spirit, and this evil spirit allowed her to predict things in the future. And so someone had grabbed a hold of her and began to use her to make money, right? And so she was, she was uh, prophesying these things in the future, and they were able to use her to make money off her. And then Paul healed her, and the spirit left her, and she no longer was able to be of use to these people. They were very angry at Paul, right? Because now they were losing money. And she wasn't able to do that anymore. And I know that she was grateful that she didn't have to do that anymore. That she was filled with Christ. She was transformed in her life. 
and she changed the way that she lived. And that is one last important aspect that we need to learn as Christians. When God comes into our life, he transforms our life in a way that is evident and obvious to those around you. It should be evident and obvious to people around you that you are a Christ follower because of the things that you do differently. The way that you've been changed. What changes have you made because you are a Christ follower? What changes have you done, made in your life? What changes have you made in your work and the way you, you interact with your coworkers? What changes have you made in your friends? Are there people in your life that are pulling you down, pulling you away from Christ that maybe you shouldn't spend as much time with? Are there changes in you that you are compelled to witness to Christ? What changes do you need to make in your life so that you are walking faithfully with Christ? Growth occurs in several ways. It occurs when we accept Jesus Christ, our lives are changed, we're drawn to Christ, and we're transformed. Change happens when we become part of a church and we, we interact with church and we become part of the body of Christ and we use our gifts for the benefit and the growth of the church. Change happens when we accept Christ and we're so excited about our faith and what he's done that we are compelled to share our faith with others, that we're compelled to tell others about Jesus Christ. And as we do that, as we make that the DNA of our church, where we desire to go out and share our faith, then our church will grow in numbers. Why? Because people will want to come and hear about Jesus and grow in Jesus and be a part of a body of Christ. And people will grow in faith because as they come, we'll be able to disciple them and train them and lift them up in the Lord and challenge them to deepen their faith and become spiritually mature. Our mission statement is easy, or simple, I should say, and that's good that it's simple, and it basically says this. Read it with me. The mission of this church is to spread the gospel of Jesus to our congregation and our community. It starts with our congregation. Our congregation hears the message, the gospel of Jesus. We accept it, we believe it, we live it, and then when we do, we share it, with the community. Simple, but profound, and exactly with what was going on in Acts chapter 16. So I encourage you all to pray, 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 pray. Lord, help me be excited about my faith. Help me be excited about being a part of this church. Help me to be excited to share the message of Christ with others beyond this church. Let's pray.